Welcome to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Now, the name of our program might be a bit unconventional, but for that better, so is our approach. We'll discuss traditional and alternative practices and therapies designed to improve and maintain the health of your best friends, your pets. With the ideas discussed on the show today, your pets could live longer and healthier lives. Now, here is Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Welcome to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. I'm Kristen Carlson here with Dr. Jim Carlson, holistic veterinarian and owner of Riverside Animal Clinic and Holistic Center in Chicago's northwest suburbs. Dr. Carlson's quotes appear in dozens of publications you can find on the internet, including PetMD, Rover.com, Pet Coach, and many others. Dr. Carlson practices a blend of Eastern and Western medicine and customizes treatments for each individual pet he sees in practice. Now, we do have an unconventional name for this podcast, but we decided just to have a little bit of fun with our topic. There's a term, woo-woo, that kind of pokes fun at what we do. Explain what woo-woo means to you, Jim. Well, the term woo-woo can be considered maybe a bit deceptive, but we choose to have fun with it and make it a bit of a shortcut way of discussing holistic medicine sometimes. My practice encompasses everything from acupuncture, acupressure, tuina, traditional Chinese veterinary medicine, herbal medicine, and the most useful tool for me is Bioscan Custom Holistic Testing. We will be discussing that today in our second hour. All right. Also today, we'll touch on the coronavirus scare that's going across America and if you can catch it from your pet. We also have info today on why pets are getting so chubby and how pet owners can work to help them keep a healthy weight. There are some great tools and tips for you on our Facebook page, Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. And we're also offering telemedicine services as well as our popular custom holistic test and some of Dr. Carlson's favorite products he uses with his patients. And you can find out more about that on our Facebook page. And we're here today to provide guidance in this podcast to people who are looking for information or looking to find a way to spark a conversation with their own veterinarian. So what we're talking about really isn't considered like medical advice for your individual pet. However, you can pick our brains today by calling in at 866-472-5788. And Dr. Carlson does offer telemedicine services again and all of that. And if you would like, you can get in touch with us on Gmail, holisticvetadvice at gmail.com. So if you don't uh, want to quite call in yet, definitely get in touch with us through there. So today we're going to start off with this human coronavirus that's been cropping up in American patients now. The virus that started in China is believed to have hopped species and moved into humans, which leaves a big question for pet owners. Can I get this from my pet? Now, if you get your vaccine reminders in the mail or email from your veterinarian, you might see coronavirus listed as a vaccine your pet needs. This can be a bit confusing, so we want to help kind of clear this up a little bit. Is this the same coronavirus as people are suffering from? No, thankfully not. Okay. So there's more than one strain of the coronavirus. Yeah, every species uh, has its own coronavirus. Oh, And fortunately, dogs and cats, um, we're so far apart genetically that it's very difficult, if not impossible, to jump species from a cat or dog coronavirus to us. Okay. So what is a, you know, when a cat gets coronavirus, what does that entail symptom-wise? Cats and dogs usually have more gastrointestinal problems. Okay. And uh, cats can also have respiratory problems with it too. And it's the way it's transmitted is is that uh, dogs and cats usually get it through a fecal-oral route. 
Okay. So the, the fecal matter becomes, uh, they come in contact with that or it becomes aerosolized. Oh. And then they can uh, start to have symptoms. Um, These are usually, I would assume, like in a confined space or something, right? Right. So we don't traditionally necessarily vaccinate every year uh, for household pets. Um, usually in a situation like this, you might see it for breeders might use coronavirus. Um, especially kennels. if they have a lot of kennels and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So the dog and cat coronavirus coming into humans for now is out, right? No worries. Um, So how did the current coronavirus that's plaguing the world, like, start? Well, unfortunately, um, it was through more of a wildlife species. Uh, From what I understand, it was isolated from a bat. And, uh, you know, how it was contracted was accidental exposure. Um, It seems like the, uh, the study was from the uh, the location of the source, they have live markets there uh, in which wild animals uh, are confined. And when you are cleaning up that fecal matter and combining that in the same space where there might be food and people and stuff like that, you get that aerosolized. Mm-hmm. So um, like if you were using a pressure washer, high power hose, right. that aerosolizes it. That's for sure. Okay. And, yeah, that's sad. And uh, yeah. we fortunately have a, a wonderful... Uh, healthcare, safe, system. healthcare yeah. system, Center yeah. for Disease Control here, so <laughs> we don't have to worry about yeah. that kind of stuff, but that's... Our daughter, though, did fly last night, and she came through O'Hare, and she said everybody was walking around with their face in their shirt, Yeah, just to be on the safe side, right? Yeah, it's... So this is a serious threat if something like that gets out of control, but again, you know, we have the CDC, we have, you know, plenty of help trying to, you know, isolate this so it doesn't get worse. Um, There are other concerns for zoonotic diseases right in your own home. Right. We don't have to worry about corona as much as there's others. Um, uh, First of all, toxoplasmosis kind of uh, covers the major concern, especially among pregnant women and and cats. Um, Obviously, using common sense uh, to not clean out the litter box if you're pregnant and mm-hmm. uh, in, in, uh, in young children, too, especially yeah. under the age of five, shouldn't be around the litter pan necessarily without supervision, you know, to have the parent helping you. Uh, okay, so there's the, toxoplasmosis, there's uh, intestinal parasites or worms, as everybody knows them as. Right, round and hookworms, uh, leptospirosis, which is uh, common in, in damp areas of the country. Okay. Uh, especially when And that, you could get that in your backyard, couldn't you? Potentially, if you have a standing water source that... Not just a rain puddle necessarily, okay. but water that would stand there long enough for maybe wildlife to discover mm-hmm. that and use that water source as a way of drinking or washing their food. I think we did have a uh, a patient who was pregnant, so you immediately sent them to the ER, mm-hmm. the pet ER, because of the potential that her two dogs both had lepto. Right, right. You just want to be super, super careful with that. You do, because you can, and that's transmitted through the urine, so... Okay. Um, I mean, you know, things happen, you know. Right. You know, even though you you don't want to think about how it's transmitted, right. things do happen. So. The common sense factors, you know, the cleanliness, how you handle the the waste material, um, you know, just being with your pet in the bed is fine, but you shouldn't necessarily, you know, eat your food and let them eat off yeah. your spoon and then back yeah. in your mouth. Those kind of things. I mean. It, I know you love your pet and stuff, but there's just certain things you probably shouldn't do, you know? (laughs) I mean, I guess it goes without saying, but I think people, you know, are so close to their animals now that they 
I, you maybe don't think about it as much, but yeah. Yeah. What's the real like reality of somebody getting a zoonotic disease? It's ex- from it's, their, just from their dog or cat, just a household pet. Oh, fortunately, extremely rare in this country. Okay. Cause you work on prevention all the time with yeah, people. Because we have such a, a wonderful uh, center for disease control. Number one, uh, wonderful preventatives that clients are very compliant about using. Mm-hmm. So between the, the, uh, the vaccine programs you have, the parasite management program, uh, the disease watch uh, program we have in the United States, extremely rare to have a zoonotic disease. But usually when there's uh, exposure, uh, it's on a rare event, and maybe there was wildlife involved with it on a secondary basis. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, like where lepto would come from? Right. It doesn't come mm-hmm. from your and dog? Parasites. Um, usually young children, toddlers under the age of five may be more at risk for parasites, um, especially, uh, and if you have a compromised immune system, you'd have to use some common sense there too. Right. All right. And use external preventions, you know, especially for fleas and stuff like that. All right. Thanks for letting us know about those threats. And if you have any questions today, be sure to call us 866-472-5788. All right. So a growing list of states are legalizing marijuana and residents of 33 states can now get medical marijuana legally. But what happens if some of your stash goes missing and if the prime suspect is your dog or cat, you'll need an emergency plan because legal or not, pot ingestion can be a pretty serious emergency. Dr. Anna Brutlog is a veterinary toxicologist at the Pet Poison Helpline, and she's no stranger to the subject of marijuana ingestion in pets. Quite frankly, this isn't our first rodeo either. <laughs> Welcome, Dr. Brutlog. Hi. Thank you so much, Kristen. Yeah. So does it take a lot of marijuana for a dog or cat to become ill? No, it doesn't necessarily, and it can vary quite a bit. The dose can vary based on how concentrated those marijuana products are. So, for example, if you're familiar with terms called bud or shatter, um, these are really concentrated marijuana products that are vaped. Those have a lot of THC in a very, very small amount, and so they can cause really immense problems with pets because it doesn't take very much at all for them to uh, eat it and get really sick. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Um, Could you kind of walk us through like the time frame from ingestion and a pallet until like a pet needs help? Sure. So usually what we see is that once they ingest it, very much like people, it will take longer for us to see effects versus if you were smoking it, for example, or, you know, heaven forbid someone's blowing smoke in their animal's face, which is certainly has happened and is, is quite abusive and dangerous. But if a pet ingests marijuana, it can take anywhere from maybe half an hour, 20 minutes or more before we're going to start to see effects. So the good news there is that if we can catch that pet early, we actually have a window to decontaminate, so to maybe to potentially induce vomiting in that pet. In some pets, Mm. we can safely do that at home. In other pets, we recommend that they go straight to the vet and have it done there. So again, if we catch them really quick, the prognosis is that much better. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's that's helpful then. Um, But what if you don't? I mean, what if somebody, you know, left the house for four hours, forgot to put it away and came home to a pet that was acting a little funny? 
funny is right. So <laughs> what we can see, kind of, you know, the classic symptoms is a little bit in some ways, like in a, a person who's stoned, they might be, the pet might be really unsteady on their feet, really weak. Um, they might be vomiting. That's fairly common. So we see a lot of, but a lot of neurological abnormalities. And uh, one sign that we do see quite a bit, especially in dogs, is that they start dribbling urine. So they just stand there. If you have a pet who's standing with kind of a wide base stance and sort of glassy eyes and urine is running down the leg, that are, those are telltale signs of marijuana exposure in dogs and cats. Oh, okay. You know, I see a lot of people, I don't know, this just disturbs me, but when I was kind of poking around in the internet for this story, I saw a lot of people like making videos thinking it was funny and stuff. And I just don't get it. I don't think that's funny at all. I think well, it's I actually pretty you. sad. I don't think it is. And I think it can be extremely traumatizing to a pet. So they don't understand what's happening. It's very mm-hmm. frightening for them. Oftentimes, this is really an anxiety-producing event. So I agree with you. I, I get worried about situations like that. We've certainly been consulted on many situations like that. And mm-hmm. we always hope that they end well. And usually with good medical care, they do. But I would agree. It is, it's not funny. And think about, if you're a pet owner, how scary that could be for your your best friend yeah you gotta have some empathy for him and at that or any of these like things that can happen like the neurologic concerns permanent after uh, marijuana exposure they're typically not permanent. And again, that really depends on it. As long as we can get them to a healthcare facility and we can get them treated appropriately, if they need that, then it'd be very unlikely that we would have permanent long-lasting effects, which is good. Mm-hmm. Okay. So walk us through a little bit of protocol that you suggest to, you know, veterinarians use the pet poison helpline probably as often as, as regular uh, pet owners use it. Um, can you walk us through the protocol of how to reverse this or just nurse them through it? Sure. So one thing that we'll always ask when we get a call, and either from a vet, like you said, we get calls from vets all the time because they need to know what to do in a toxicology situation as well. So if we can catch that pet early, if we have the ability to decontaminate, which means typically inducing vomiting or giving something called activated charcoal, which is a special type of medical-grade charcoal that you give by mouth to a dog or to cat, and it really binds to the toxin that was ingested and prevents it from than being metabolized and getting into the body. So if we have the time to decontaminate, we will do that. And But other than that, there is no antidote for marijuana. There's no reversal. So what we do instead is treat them what we call supportively. So we may be giving them IV fluids to help keep their blood pressure up and keep them their organs well perfused because sometimes these animals get low blood pressure, their heart rate might drop. We can also see oftentimes some hypothermia thermia set in. So their body temperature drops. Mm. So we keep a close eye on that. And there's certain warming procedures that we can do to keep those, again, their body temperature at a normal state. And then there's other things too. If they're having a lot of vomiting, nausea, we can potentially correct that with certain medications. If they're really dysphoric, which can happen, we can also give them some medications to help settle them down. So it's not such a scary and traumatic experience for them and let them relax and kind of metabolize this through. But one of the differences between dogs and, and cats and people is that it can take animals a lot longer to metabolize marijuana or the signs of marijuana poisoning can last longer. So sometimes these animals need to be hospitalized even for a couple of days. Oh my gosh, really? 
Wow, that's crazy. So is this particularly harder on dogs or cats? Well, we see by far, we usually see more dogs, and that's probably just given their nature. Dogs tend to eat anything that's in front of them, right? Mm-hmm, Although we certainly right. have plenty of cats that do the same thing. So <laughs> both dogs and cats can be pretty equally affected. And, um, but, you know, at Pet Poison Helpline, most of our calls involve dogs. And usually dogs that love to get into edible marijuana products. Okay, yeah, there's more than one delivery method for pot, and some of them, like, those gummies, you know, they come in fun shapes, their sizes, they're chewy, they're fruity or whatever. And um, do you have suggestions for storing any of these items or keeping them away from animals? Uh, well, you hit the nail on the head. Keep them away. Keep them out of reach and keep them in a very safe spot where you know your pet can't get them. Because, first of all, pets don't know that these are special gummies, right? They don't know that these brownies are not like the brownies that you might have had last <laughs> week that your grandma brought you. And we see this all the time. You know, if a dog can get a hold of a pan of marijuana brownies, it's not going to eat just one brownie. It's going to eat the whole pan. And oh. that's just basic opportunistic canine behavior. <laughs> and so, and anyone who has a pet is not surprised by this. But then, of course, that can lead to really significant poisoning because they ingest such a massive dose. So, again, my recommendation is to keep those types of foods well out of reach. And the same would go for kids. We actually actually can see this problem in the pediatric population because kids also don't know that these are Um, different gummies. Yeah, that's true. That that wouldn't be good. So if you have, like, what do you see the most often as far as the ingestion goes? Is it from something fun or is it just a plastic bag ripped open? (laughs) Well, right now, if you ask me this, Six years ago, I would have said the most common thing we see ingested is someone's stash. It's buds. It's the marijuana plant itself that someone was smoking. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, it's discarded joints, things like that. But now, fast forward to today, and the number one exposure source that we see are human edibles. And it's usually something paired with chocolate. So that obviously for dogs and cats uh, adds a little more complexity and more danger to the situation. Mm-hmm. But we see a lot of ingestion of people's commercially made brownies or homemade brownies, chocolate chip cookies, uh, gummies, or commercial chocolate products. So you can buy in some states a chocolate bar that has, let's say, 100 milligrams of THC, and it's divided into maybe 10 little 10 milligram servings. And again, a dog is going to eat the whole thing. They don't know, right? And mm-hmm. um, Or we'll see products that's also that are made with marijuana butter. So this can be particularly concerning as well. Uh, the butter, so you use the butter to extract THC from the marijuana plant and then make your edible, be it a, again, brownies, cookies, oh. etc. And I that haven't heard of this one. <laughs> has, yes, that's pretty common. And it's something that people can do at home or they can buy products like this. And the problem, of course, is the butter contains a pretty concentrated dose of THC. So, again, it all goes back to animals getting these big whopping doses when they get into human edible products. Really? Oh, how interesting. But, you know, the chocolate would add another layer of, of treatment. It does. It does. So it can really complicate the clinical picture because now you have signs and problem poisoning from the cannabis that the dog just ate. You can have poisoning from the chocolate on top of that. So those cases can get pretty serious. And there's 
other human foods that are toxic to pets, like grapes and raisins. So if someone were to put you know, raisins in a cookie, for example, or macadamia nuts. So people will make a, you know, cookies just like we would make a white chocolate macadamia nut cookie. You could certainly make that with... Uh, with marijuana butter. And then now again, we have a two-pronged poisoning. So macadamia nuts and marijuana. Or xylitol is another, it's a sugar substitute that people will often use because it has low glycemic index. So perhaps if you're diabetic, you might choose to use xylitol instead of sugar in your coffee or something of that nature or in your Mm -hmm. bread or your muffins. And so we haven't had many cases of this yet, but certainly if there were brownies or something sweet made with xylitol instead of with normal sugar, that would be a huge poisoning risk, especially for a dog. really? Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Do you you see that the marijuana absorbs faster than some of these other products? I mean, in terms of time of ingestion to when uh, optimum time of inducing vomiting, so you cut the side effects? You know, we do. Thankfully, marijuana is a little bit slower to absorb from the stomach than some things. So we do find that oftentimes if we catch them early, like the pet owner calls right after this happened, we do oftentimes have a good effective window to induce vomiting, which is great because if we can induce vomiting and get some of this stuff out of the stomach, then the risk of poisoning, of course, is going to be much, much less. Mm. So 11 states legalized marijuana uh, completely, and then 33 states, I believe, have um, medical marijuana. Have you seen a massive increase in cases of accidental ingestion? We have. It has been really impressive. Over the past probably five years, we've seen over a 600% increase in the number of cases that we're getting involving cannabis. Yes, and it's not just from the states that have legalized it. This is really across the board. So uh, cannabis has become such an accessible product. Obviously, it's more accessible in certain states than others. But again, the generally speaking across the U.S., more people have more access, and more access means that more pets are going to be exposed, just like you would expect with you know human medications, Tylenol, Advil, things like that. If it's in someone's home, it just increases automatically increases the chance of your pets getting into it. Mm, okay. Do you ever see that uh, pets, you know, in the future, in your opinion, that would be a useful management tool for health? You know, is, or is it just too toxic to be a reasonable source? Well, that's a great question because CBD or cannabidiol, which is a compound of the cannabis plant. So CBD is... CBD, and most of your listeners are familiar with CBD because we see CBD for sale all over the place. So CBD is a compound of the cannabis plant that does not, it's, it's not psychoactive. So it does not make you high. The compound that makes people high or pets is THC. So CBD specific products are becoming very popular and there is active research going on in the veterinary community to look at the therapeutic potential of CBD in with diseases such as epilepsy, or potentially as a pain um, for pain for arthritis, for example, and some other uses as well. And so I think that there very well could be a therapeutic benefit with CBD, and it looks like the research is starting to point that direction too. And we're still kind of trying to figure out which diseases specifically would it be helpful for, what doses are helpful, and so I think there's definitely more to come on that. Mm-hmm. Um, how does CBD oil work in the body? It's so ubiquitous. It's literally everywhere. Um, 
so, you know, you drive down the street and there's little flags waving at you, CBD (laughs) available here. Um, How does that work in the body? Well, it works in a number of different receptors in the body. And so we think that some of the big benefits are it has some anti-inflammatory properties. It might have some anti-anxiety properties. It might have some anti-seizure effects. So that's, again, what's being explored right now. And that's what we're thinking about in people, but also thinking about looking for those you know, exact same therapeutic benefits in dogs and cats. But the one big caution I would say right now is when you're driving down the street and you see CBD for sale, what we've been finding is that the CBD products that are out there, well, I should back up, I should say none of them are regulated. So CBD products are 100% unregulated by FDA at this point in time. And I think that's actually a big Uh, point of misconception. I think people assume that, well, just like I know my Tylenol is pretty safe, I assume that if they're selling CBD in a Walgreens or a drugstore, that it clearly also must be very, fairly pure and safe and approved by FDA. And nothing could be further from the truth. So at this point in time, you or I could start making CBD product in our garage and sell it. And while there are very, wow, yes, exactly, which really calls product quality into concern. So it's a very much a buyer beware situation with CBD products. There's been a lot of testing of independent, very credible labs, even FDA buying CBD products off the shelf and then testing to see how much CBD is even in here. Is there even any CBD in here? Is there too much? Um, What else is in there? Is there THC in there? And sure enough, the majority of the products that have been tested actually have been found to be wildly out of specification, meaning either there's no CBD when they say there is, there's way too much, more than is labeled on the bottle, or there's THC in there. There's other, or even other things that are more dangerous, like synthetic cannabinoids. So it is very much a wild situation. Yeah, the THC part was very surprising to me. I didn't expect that, but it was, is is it up to 1% THC that it can have in it? Well, legally, um, the, you probably think about the hemp product. So hemp, the plant hemp, is as, if you grow it in the U.S., kind of as defined by our federal guidelines, hemp should not have more than 0.3% THC on what's considered called a dry weight basis. So mm-hmm. what that means is, yes, some CBD products will potentially still have trace amounts of THC in them. And and that's somewhat expected. But what we're also finding in some of these products is that they have 40% THC, 50%. And oh whether that's due wow. to a somewhat you know unscrupulous manufacturer putting that in because they can sell it kind of quote unquote legally as CBD, wow. um, we don't know. But we certainly see a lot of products that are very, very adulterated with THC. Oh. Still kind of like the Wild West right now. (laughs) Yeah, you know, a lot of people come in here wanting to sell us their CBD products, and a lot of people are saying they have them tested to, you know, at a lab and stuff, but I'm not sure I would trust that either at this point. Yes, you really want to make sure if they do have them tested that it is at a credible lab, not just a lab that, you know, just like you can find people to kind of do anything for you these days, you want to make sure it's (laughs) at a credible lab that is giving accurate results. And there are certainly good companies Um, I did also want to ask you one little question about your career. You're one of only 80 veterinary toxicologists in the United States or in North America? 
Yes, there are not many of us. <laughs> it's a small specialty area, um, but I am a board-certified veterinary toxicologist. And so we are the folks that, like you said, other veterinarians will turn to when they need help with cases that they think there was a poisoning or they have an animal that's, oh, it has all these bizarre signs. Could this be a toxin? What do we do? How do we treat it? And that's where we come in and help them out. Yeah, well, you you seem like a great person to uh, have all the knowledge and the skill and everything, and I would totally trust you with my pet. And uh, if we ever get in a bind here, we'll certainly be giving Pet Poison Helpline a call. Dr. Anna Brutlog, thank you so much for being with us today. Very, very informative. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you both so much. All right, take You're care. Bye. All right, guys, uh, we're you know here to provide... Um, information on different pet topics, nothing just exactly for your pet. So if you would like to ask some individual questions, you sure can do that. 866-472-5788. And uh, you can also visit Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice on Facebook, as well as email us at holisticvetadvice at gmail.com. We're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to be discussing the... um, Energy medicine and uh, the test that Dr. Carlson has performed thousands and thousands of and saved many lives with. So we'll be back in just a few minutes. See you soon. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. 
Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to holisticvetadvice at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Hello, thanks for rejoining us, everybody. I'm Kristen Carlson here with Dr. Jim Carlson, holistic veterinarian. Um, The cornerstone of our holistic program is a unique test that focuses strictly on your pet's individual health. It's called BioScan, an electrodermal testing unit that provides real-time data on stressors, allergens, and their impact on a pet's body. Dr. Carlson, you performed tens of thousands of BioScan SRT tests, and we'll get to that theory behind it, but tell us why this is an important part of your healthcare plan for holistic patients. Well, every disease has a root cause, and it's making a major contribution to the symptoms. The symptoms is really just an expression of the disease process, uh, really, in my opinion, an expression of the disease process. Okay. So the pet's under... Uh, four main stressors, environmental stress, uh, emotional stress, chemical stress, um, and also um, biological stress. And so if they get a virus or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they can adapt to that stressor initially if it's not prolonged. But over a period of time, if they're under stress for long periods of time, the body almost programs that information so the best analogy I always tell clients is that, well, when you were a kid, if you had the flu and you threw up Cheerios, and now <laughs> you don't like Cheerios anymore. Okay. It's uh, similar to that. Okay. So what do you mean? So, Clarify this Cheerios deal. So if you get the virus and and then you got sick and you were eating Cheerios, your body programmed the Cheerios as being a flag for the original virus. Okay. So every time you're around Cheerios or milk or the combination or you smell that, your body automatically senses that data mm-hmm. and tells your body, you're getting close to the virus again, watch out. So that's where the confusion takes place because mm-hmm. it may not be the original virus again. You can't say, well, I'm getting the flu again. You're just picking up on that negative programming. So it's energy. Energy. And we have to remember that that. Those factors are major contributors to disease. And as we become more educated about that, um, as more people are talking about it, and healers are talking about that, as we're understanding it more, is it's such a vital force in trying to minimize uh, and above all do no harm mm-hmm. in, in helping the patient heal itself. We have to remember the patient. We often just focus on the symptom or the organ system. How to relieve the symptom. Right. But you want them to come around to being able to support themselves. Right. You want the patient to, to incorporate or come into alignment with health again. 
and get okay. rid of the disease so it's not uh, causing them problems anymore, or they function better if it's a permanent problem. Okay. Yeah. Just tell us really quick, like, a success story you've had with this. Well, you could try a Louie for one. Louie was a horse of ours. Yeah. I like using our own animals because... I know, you know, like what's going on at home. I know, you know, the process and everything. So we had a horse named Louie. He was 15. He had chronic colic and chronic abscesses. And he had traveling ventral edema. And when you look at a horse, it's underneath their stomach and you see these bubbles. They're big. They're like half a baseball and sometimes bigger. And they would go like one day you'd see them in a certain place. The next day you're like, where? Okay, it's moved, but it's still there. And he just kept getting sick. And and the horse trainer at the time was like, you know, there's something really wrong here. And if he colics, you know, like in the night or something, I think the best thing to do is put him to sleep. Yeah. So at this point, we had gotten bioscan. And I'm like, why have we not bioscanned this horse? So we took a hair sample, a fresh sample off his tail, like not something we brushed out of him. Just reached up there, took a sample out took a little saliva out of his mouth with a clean gauze. And then we put that on a test plate. We have a surrogate tester. So the human is the tester. And and we tested Louie. And it turns out he was showing symptoms of stressors, uh, sensitivities, and maybe even allergies to almost everything in his feed. Mm -hmm. And he'd been eating the same feed for quite a long time. So it was corn, soy, gluten, um, in all different kinds of products. This is in um, a, a book I actually wrote uh, called uh, Success Stories. It's on our, our website, too, at riversideanimalclinic.net. And to this day, Louie is in fantastic condition. He is now 21 years old. Yeah. He uh, just moved out. Yeah. <laughs> he, he got a new uh, a horse barn he trains with, and he just won a champion ribbon in December. So we're super proud of that situation that we created with Louie and he was able to heal himself and it took some work. I mean, he is a 21 year old horse, completely sound, absolutely stunning and still going strong. Yeah. But he would not be here without this test. That's for sure. Because it, you, how would you know? You can't you test that very easily. Hmm. You have to use a bioscan uh, to understand the root source. Mm-hmm. It's like my little friend Barry yesterday, a German shepherd has a, a very large uh, perianal mass, uh, was only given a, about two months roughly to live. Okay. And uh, we've since about tripled that lifespan so far. And he's doing great. Just saw him yesterday. He looks wonderful. Really? So yeah. d- is the mass still there? Mass is still there, but he's become, initially we just got him in alignment. We just completed our seventh test on SRT to, to finish that program. So we've helped him to live with it. I call it the Uncle Eddie effect. Okay. Uncle Eddie shows up on by surprise. Okay. <laughs> We're not ready for Uncle Eddie, but there he is watching the lights go on. Okay. And um, so initially we have to live with Uncle Eddie and then eventually encourage Uncle Eddie to to gradually go away. Okay. You know. And so uh, what we're doing with Bear is we found a pace of place of stability. He's able to go to the bathroom. He's able to do all the normal things. Uh, and if if you if you look at him, you can't tell until you get right back there and see it. Mm-hmm. But also not focusing on that 
is very important, always mm-hmm. of focusing on the good things. And that's what we talked about a little yesterday, too. Yeah, the positivity and, yeah. and you know, just aligning yourself with your goals and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, he's so, doing super. And, you know, Dr. Oz has, you know, Dr. Oz is so fantastic. And even he said, energy medicine is the new frontier yeah. in human medicine and obviously for animals, too. We're going to bring in Marsha O'Brien from Bioscan who is the company's vice president of sales. She's also trained Dr. Carlson on the testing service as well. Hi, Marsha. Good morning. So can you tell us a little bit about how Bioscan testing works? Uh, You guys have done a fabulous job of giving that overview. (laughs) I think uh, a few of the most important facets are that we're working at an energetic level. And um, a lot of times when you tell people you're working uh, at an energetic level, they'll scowl at you. But the reality of the matter yeah. is we're all sensitive to energy. If you walk into a room right after there's been a fight between spouses or friends or colleagues, you know without a word being spoken because there's a, a residual energy in the room. And the same yeah. is true uh, within the body with various substances. You know, everything we see, hear, taste, touch, smell, feel has an energy to it. Even, even our thoughts and memories can carry an energy or a frequency with them. And it's exactly what uh, Dr. Carlson was saying, that... Um, when, when we are trained to have a response to that frequency, when our body starts making an association, it's just like, you know, old Pavlov, when the bell would ring, the dog would salivate. Our body is trained the same way with these energetic frequencies. So if we can identify those frequencies that cause the body to have a little bit of a whoa reaction, then we can use a combination of low-level laser light therapy and frequency to retrain that. And the way that we support that is um, it's very intuitive for humans. uh, When when someone comes up to you and and they're crying, you just rub their head and you rub down their back. And is there having this emotional stressed out reaction? We just intuitively rub that line and we say, it's okay, it's okay, you're okay. And that's very much the goal of the SRT is, is the body is being subjected to those frequencies, which may be stressful to it, we use the, the laser to, to, to activate that parasympathetic immune, or nervous system, which is also the same line as the governing vessel. So we say to the body, you can rest, you can rest, you can rest during this subjection to something that has caused it stress in the past. So in doing that, it's, we're, we're separating that, that bad experience, which may trigger the, the stress and helping to associate it with a more restful balance in the body. Okay. Could you just describe how this test like physically works? So we take in this hair sample and like, can you describe like the machinery or how this happens? Like oh, you have a surrogate tester, all that. It's hard for me to describe. It's okay. I think uh, a lot of people are familiar with uh, like body fat testers. They, they make them as scales and they make the handheld ones. And those uh, testers are built with algorithms that measure how, how the electricity travels from one to the other. And the level of, of body fat in a person may change how quickly or slowly that electricity gets through the circuit. Uh, the same is true. Um, it's a similar idea when we're testing with this technology. So you have um, a point on each, we put an electrode on each of two fingers, um, and we allow um, a little bit of, of energy to flow through the meridian within the body that the electrodes are now attached to. 
while we do that, simultaneously, we're subjecting the, the person that we're scanning, or in this case, uh, the, the sample that you've collected from your animal, uh, we subject that to the frequencies, and there are like 88,000 of them in our library. I mean, it's a huge library, so we can cover a gamut of things. But while we're subjecting the, the client or the sample to that frequency, that little bit of electricity flows through the meridian. And the body may say, whoa, and it gets through very quickly, or it may say, hold on there, uh, because the meridian might not be healthy enough or there may be such a negative reaction that it slows down the ability to travel with that electric signal. Okay. Jim, tell us a little bit about what meridians are. Well, meridians are different Meridian. communication lines, really, within the the uh, the body, and mm-hmm. it helps in it, at least the way I interpret it is it helps in the different organ systems communicate. Uh, it also helps us to interpret energy or senses that are coming through the body, and how that may help or hurt us. Mm-hmm. Uh, interpreting what's good for us and what's bad for us. And these like rivers of energy come from Chinese medicine. The right. origination would be uh, Chinese medicine and Indian medicine, uh, where there was a lot of philosophical thought about it. You know, how do we align ourselves with nature uh, to be uh, more healthy, a more, uh, at least at that time, and, and even for ourselves now, more spiritually connected to source? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, I think, uh, you know, in, in terms of, of doing that, it helps us to stay more connected with the physical world. Okay. Um, Marcia, we also provide these infused drops to omer- owners to remedy their pets' issues. Can you tell us a little about the drops and how they're created and how they work? All right. So uh, earlier I was talking about the ability of the Bioscan system to output certain frequencies and that everything we see, hear, taste, touch, smell, feel has an associated frequency. So once we determine what the body um, might be having a stressed out response to, the, the items that might be creating an imbalance within those meridians, inability of the body to communicate. And one of the things I like to tell people when I'm training them is it's just like if you live in a small town, like I live in a small town, volunteer fire department that works, and if one of the roads um, in the town is blocked, then the fire department is good enough that it knows its way around. And if you call because your house is burning down, they're still going to get there. But if there's been a tornado that comes through and every single road in the house is blocked or in the town is blocked, then the fire department, it does not matter um, how hard the fire department tries. They're not going to get their truck there. And the body's the same way. So basically, when we, when we scan someone, the more it, it's a snowball effect. As the body becomes less and less healthy, it's more likely to get those roads or meridians blocked. And it's harder for the, the pet or the client or the person to recover um, because the fire department, the brain, the body's created to heal itself, and it just can't do its job because it can't get through the town. So mm. when we run the scan... And we, uh, we can support the person immediately using those frequencies and that, that laser that I talked about. But we can also electronically activate a remedy uh, for, for the same issue. I call it the secret knock. Um, so if we already know what the body is having a hard time with, and we, we rewind it every day energetically, that it's not as threatening maybe as it, as it is uh, 
interpreted by the body, then the, then it's that daily reminder. Like it's like leaving yourself a post-it note on your mirror that says you matter or whatever. So every day we, we abide by that idea that like cures like, and we subject the body to a little bit of what we already know it's struggling with, and it allows the body to create a more healthy, normal, balanced response to to what, what it's there. Ultimately, all we're doing is supporting the body and doing what it wants to do anyway, and that's mm-hmm. to take care of us. Okay. All right. This is an FDA-cleared medical device. Um, and, you know, the reason we got into this is uh, I had been gone for a few weeks. I had some surgery done in another state. This was a long time ago. And our son was nine at the time. Mm-hmm. He's 16 now. Yeah. And he was home with dad and started, you know, getting calls from school and things weren't going well. And um, uh, can you come in here? <laughs> you know, the calls that every parent hates. And I was like, what is going on? I'd take him to the doctor. Uh, I don't know, he's just being a boy, ADHD maybe, okay. So um, I'm like, I'm really desperate. I know something's changed with him. And I found a doctor who did Bioscan, IHT. Um, We do SRT here, we've done both. Um, And he gave him this test. He had uh, issues with wheat and red and yellow dye. And to this day, I can say to that kid, did you eat wheat? You know, when he's being yeah. really obnoxious. Yeah. And um, it, that's how we got into this. Because after we figured that out and he was relieved from those different items in his diet, he was a completely different person. And, you know, he couldn't have gone necessarily to get a test at a, a conventional doctor's office that would have revealed that. You know, or it would have been, um, you know, like a long time before we ever figured out what was wrong but that was our first um instance with this and uh, we i think within two weeks we bought the machine yeah yeah because we knew could <laughs> see so clearly how well it worked and years. there are like forty thousand different allergens that it tests against household chemicals um but it can do a bone scan kind of give you an idea where in like an animal something hurts and um you know from from being able to use it on, because we have a lot of animals, so many of our own animals, and to do the conventional medicine along with it, it's been very clear, you know, all the time, really. Technologies and genius to so easily, you know, convert um, to all species. Um, yeah. And I just think it's it's been a great thing. And Marsha helped train me and uh, on the SRT, and I, I really enjoyed that because it's, it seems to be a... Even over, I I love both, but uh, SRT seems to be a very comprehensive, mm-hmm. uh, Mar- lot of information. Marsha, you probably run across, and we run across a lot of people with energy medicine. It's new; people don't understand it and can be skeptical of it. Like, what do you guys do when something like that comes up? A lot of times, the only thing you can do, and there, it, there's a combination of things. Um, a lot of it is the power of belief. It's uh, there's the old saying that. Uh, it's even a, a child development principle. It's the self-fulfilling prophecy. So some people are so content to, to be ill that they're just not going to be convinced. You can't change their mind. But the reality of, of the situation is that um, at some point in our life, most of us encounter a time when what we're doing just isn't working and we can't figure out why it isn't working. 
And a lot of times that starts from the inside out too many times. And again, you guys were chatting about this before and I was just smiling and carrying on because <laughs> um, you guys were nailing it. The fact that we're, we're pulling off the fruit from the tree, we're pulling off all the pears from the pear tree and then sitting there and looking at it and saying, maybe it'll grow apples next season is foolery. <laughs> it's yeah. just not yeah. going to happen. True. So right. if you don't, if you want an apple tree there, you're going to have to uproot the pear tree and put an apple tree there. Uh, so yeah. a, a lot of times it's, it's a matter of what are you doing and is that working for you? Um, and when they realize, hey, you know, it, it, it just takes a little bit of time. So I usually try to get people to commit uh, to a little bit of time. Give me, give me a 30-day window and we're going to see how you're feeling. We're going to see if you feel like your body's being supported. And the beauty of the system is it has functions and features built in. It's not like I tell um, a client, take two and call me in the morning. I can use the system to, to help me and my expertise determine what's actually going to support the body. It gives me the data. I interpret mm-hmm. the data and then I can, I can scan certain remedies against the issues that they're having and determine whether or not they're actually going to bring that into balance. That is a beautiful thing. The data is right there. And when you see something go from blue or red or black into the green so that it's balanced. Yeah, it's a great, great that is experience. It really is. Luck. Well, Marcia, thank you, you so much uh, from Bioscan. And, no. and we really appreciate you being here today, kind of, you know, helping us make sense out of a complicated topic. But energy medicine, again, it sounds like it's the way to go. That's we've awesome. done, we've, you know, helped a lot of animals this way. You have. Anyway, <laughs> right? It's a team yeah. approach. All right, good. All right. So moving on today, dog and cat obesity is at an all-time high and seems to be growing. In fact, more dogs are overweight or obese than there are dogs that are in a healthy weight range. Cats are no different with the same findings. And is what we're feeding commercially processed food part of the problem, Jim? Well, I think it, a lot of it has to do with how much we're feeding and then the type of energy that's going in because uh, – the more grain that's coming into the system, uh, the more quickly that that's going to be processed. And if the body has that extra energy and doesn't know what to do with, it's going to be stored as body fat. It's going to okay. be stored as inflammation. we got a really great calorie calculator for you. It's from uh, PetNutritionAlliance.com. It's also on the Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice Facebook page. I've posted it on there. This is something we actually do with most of our wellness exams that come in here or people. It's a really frequently asked question. How much am I supposed to feed my dog? I love it because it it's a very comprehensive guideline to give you a rough estimate and a, really a, a more detailed estimate, I should say, mm-hmm. about how much should I feed my pet and what type of diet am I currently using yeah. because there's so many variables to how many calories per cup there is. Yeah, and it has a search uh, for the kind of pet food your pet is on, so you can put that in there. And it'll tell you exactly how much to feed it based on weight, if it's spayed or neutered or intact, um, the body condition score, current calorie intake. It has all this information on it. I love this little calculator, uh, PetNutritionAlliance.com. So you can tinker around with that. And it also gives a treat guideline for the day. So it it gives a treat allowance, which is so cute um, because, you know, who can resist, right? I think I give treats like 10 times a day because I'm training, I know, kind of trick training the dogs. So, uh, but some of the great treats um, are very uh, 
caloric. And those are also on our Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice page. This is from Vet Matrix. It's a treat calculator. It has a calorie count of all the popular treats. Anything from Chewy's Rolls, which are 211 calories, If you go by McDonald's, you get a cheeseburger, that's 330 calories for your dog. And then it goes into things that are, you know, like other treats like apples and bananas and stuff like that. And it can kind of give you some advice on, you know, some easier treats to give that don't have a ton of calories and still would stay in this guideline um, from the Pet Nutrition Alliance Calorie Calculator for Dogs. So I put my dog in 70 pounds. He's at his ideal weight anyway. Estimate daily calories, 13, 12, and 131 calories coming from treats. So he likes apples, so he's good on that. I love that because it it, it actually tells you how many treats because uh, we often forget. I'll talk to clients and say, well, I'm I'm given yeah. uh, only a cup of food a day. Well, how many treats? Well, 72 or something. And they get off my plate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're hard to resist. What do you do? I know. Yeah. So anyway. All right. Well, you can get in touch with us again at holisticvetadvice at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our Facebook page, Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. Uh, We also have for sale there uh, telemedicine with Dr. Carlson and our IHT Bioscan SRT testing that we just talked about earlier as well. You guys have a great week. We'll see you next Thursday. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening this week to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. Please join your hosts, Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson, again next Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now go make some time with your best friend. 